good morning um, to everyone here on this uh, nice Saturday uh, morning. And um, we are looking at the, the book of Philemon and Philippians today. Um, we are getting closer to the wire of finishing um, the New Testament. And then we will be able to, uh, to go over to the Old Testament and look at those books. And then we should be able to say that we've covered uh, the entire Bible in one year. <laughs> and um, so it's, 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 a, it's a journey. It's a great journey. And I pray that um, by doing this method that we're able to break down a Bible into chunks that are manageable for everyone and that are not too overwhelming um, for you all. So oh my. And so uh, one year. Huh? I said, oh my, one year. Oh my. <laughs> Perfectly, we can get through the Old Testament quicker, but we'll, we'll see. <laughs> We'll see. <laughs> we will see. So I was How already about one quarter. <laughs> one quarter, not not possible. If, if not, uh, not with the way Camellia teaches. Uh uh. Uh uh. Right. You can't miss no line and no precept. <laughs> so, too important to just skim through. What's the what's the purpose of just skimming through stuff um, when we are lifelong learners so <laughs> we got it from here to god calls us home to learn <laughs> learn about his word so um yeah so i mean think about it it's 27 books in the new testament and it's we're already in march and we probably won't get done to probably the middle of april and there's 39 in the old so it's gonna probably take just about that long. So, um, so yeah, just be ready for this ride. <laughs> so, um, yeah, like I said, today we are covering Philemon and Philippians. And then we will hop into the pastoral um, or the instructional letters um, uh, next. Not next week. Next week we have a break because um, I, I won't be in town. Uh, be doing my yearly teaching on feast days. Um, and so, so the, the following week was at the 27th, uh, we will hop into the pastoral letters. And so we got pastoral letters, the general epistles, and then uh, Revelation, and then we should be done. So, so praise God for that. Okay. So any questions or comments or um, anything um, that you want to bring up this week, um, something you was reading about? Anything, um, now is your time to go ahead and just add, ask some questions or some aha moments um, from studying or from reading. We're good. Okay, I just wanted to make sure I afforded um, you all that opportunity to just give some comments or questions um, concerns about um, your reading or anything that you, you know you've been dealing with uh, as far as the word of God. So, all right, so let's just hop into five women here. Let me go ahead and share my screen. So, so are we going with Philemon as the official name? I say Philemon. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever, but I I just rather say Philemon, I guess. <laughs> okay, all right. <laughs> That's what I've been hearing all my life. It's Philemon. I was surprised when people say Philemon. I said, "What the?" All right, well, God or bless. Ph you. Or Philemon. Philemon. <laughs> yeah, I've heard Philemon. Philemon. You know, we praise God for him. <laughs> That's all we all say. Right. <laughs> no matter how you pronounce his name he Probably, made it in you said what I said he made it into this canon and we thank God and we thank God for it we thank God for it so uh, this uh, epistle here I really I really like this epistle um, it's only one chapter uh, but it has so many um, leadership um, 
nuggets in here and just so many talking points um, in this uh, in this one chapter alone that you can you could really spend weeks on Philemon um, when you break it down because there's so much um, in this letter and um, to see um, Paul's intent, um, what he was trying to communicate to Philemon um, is powerful in itself. And so um, of course we're just doing the basic of looking at the date, the authorship, the special consideration, the theme um, of these books. And uh, when we get to a class that's specifically for uh, Paul's epistles, we'll get down to the, to the nitty gritty um, of the topics that are in, in this um, letter. But let's go ahead and look um, here, um, the purpose and basic outline of, of Philemon. Um, Paul writes this personal letter to his friend Philemon in order to intercede for the slave Onesimus. Onesimus apparently had stolen from his master Philemon um, and then fled to Rome. At Rome, he was converted under the apostles' ministry and was now returning to his master. Paul writes as a mediator for the slave. So when you read this letter, you see that Onesimus ran away uh, from Philemon. Um, and apparently um, he has stolen something from Philemon or he just basically stolen the fact that um, he was a slave and now Philemon was losing money, um, losing work and labor because he ran away. Um, and so, um, Onesimus uh, ran into Paul and under um, Paul, because um, Paul right now is in jail. So Onesimus, you know, found Paul and under his care, under his um, watch, Onesimus um, basically gave his life to the Lord. And so now Onesimus is one of the brothers of, in Christ. And so, um, and so Paul, um, uh, the way that Paul's heart is, um, he wanted to to write to to uh, Philemon to to uh, to try to persuade him to accept Onesimus back without any type of penalty. And so um, last week we looked at the book of Ephesians and Colossians, and we said that Colossians is more of the head, talks about the head of the church and deals with Christology. And Ephesians deals with the body um, of Christ and how the body is supposed to operate and work. And when you look at Philemon and Philippians, this is more of the heart of the body because there, there are some um, sensitive issues um, when dealing in this, with these letters concerning leadership, concerning how to deal with your fellow brethren, how to, at that time, deal with uh, the slave and master relationship and things of that sort. And so this, these letters, Philemon and Philippians, give us the heart of the body. Um, and so one thing that we have to remember, when we're looking at the heart, um, we have a tendency to um, emotionalize um, heart issues rather than looking at, at it from a logical or mind um, set. Um, instead of looking at uh, the heart as an emotional thing, we should look at it as a intelligent um, a mind, a mindset um, thing. And so when we're looking at these issues here, we have to remember when dealing with our fellow brethren or dealing as leaders dealing with our, um, our fellow brethren or just brother with brother that we should not use our emotions so much so to respond to issues, but we should use the word of God, the intellect of the word of God, the wisdom of the word of God to deal with one another, okay? And so that's what you'll see 
when dealing with these two letters here, Philemon and Philippians, okay? So when we're, um, any, any comments or questions about that statement I just made there? So I know I kind of said a little mouthful. We're good. Okay, so um, when, it, when we're looking at Philemon, um, who is Philemon? Philemon was an elder of the Colossae church, okay? Um, and so uh, when you look at the first um, verse of, of Philemon, if you go there in, in, your, in your Bible, um, let me see if I can um, pull it up on the screen here for you all. I wasn't planning on it, but it is the Bible, so I should have been ready. Um, let me see this way. All right. It's the Bible. Right. It's the Bible. I should have been ready. Yeah, let's see here. All right. Let's see here. Come on, it's just one chapter, just pull it up, there we go. Um, and so Philemon, he is a believer and he is a fellow worker. When you look at um, some of the other um, scriptures and testimonies from the early church fathers, they, they um, said that Philemon was an elder or a bishop or overseer of the church at Colossae. And so when you look at this first verse here, he says, you know, to Philemon, our, our beloved worker, and Aphia, our sister, and Archippus, our fellow soldier, and the church in your house. And so here we, we see that Philemon, he held church in his house. And the, um, when you look at Paul's letter, when he addresses certain people, he usually, he usually addresses leadership by name sometimes in his letter. And so here you see that he dresses Philemon, he dresses Aphia, who is a woman, and he dresses Archippus too. And so here, I know we talked about a few weeks ago about lead, women in leadership. Here, here's an example of another woman being in leadership here. Um, and Paul addresses her in, in the letter here. So I wanted to just go on a sidebar and talk about that um, because you're going to see it again when we're dealing with the, uh, the Philippian letter because that, that church there started out overwhelmingly with women, okay? And so, um, and so Paul, he addresses every, everybody in this letter. But Philemon um, is an um, elder of the Colossae church and he held um, the church in his house, okay? So this is kind of a, just a, a, a little background what we can pull out of scripture uh, about Philemon. And of course, um, the testimonies of the early church fathers who knew Philemon, um, they gave their testimony about him as well. And so, um, so this is who Philemon is. And Philemon apparently owned slaves, okay? Uh, which is very common. Okay, so when we look, when we okay, before I, I say that, do, do anybody has anybody ever done a study of the slavery system in Rome? Do anybody know anything about it? Uh, yeah, and then I think I even did a, a teaching on it a couple months back. You did, and I want to see if anybody paid attention. Oh, oh, let me mind my business. <laughs> Does anybody remember? I know that after a certain period of time, the slaves in Rome could buy their freedom back. And um, it wasn't really like slavery here. Sometimes right. they earned a wage um, and they could buy their freedom back and eventually own land and become citizens. Right, yeah, yep. Um, Sharon, your hand is up, what's up? If I remember correctly, I was going to kind of say what Tammy just said, you know, it wasn't like our typical freedom. They were like mm -hmm. um, just general workers almost kind of mm -hmm. like, uh, but they were, they weren't um, 
you know, put down. They were held kind of to um, a brother type standpoint, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. So, yeah, um, slavery um, in, in that time, in the first century, um, they, yeah, like they put themselves into slavery um, if they wanted to pay off a debt. Um, it's, it, it's not like um, U.S. slavery. Um, I know that we have, have we heard a term called indentured servants? It's, it's very, it's just like indentured servants, whereas um, the slave make a contract with the master to pay off or to work off um, some type of um, debt. And the, mat, the slave master, they provide food and shelter for them um, and, uh, in order for them to you know, do what it is that they need to do. And so that's the one thing that we have to remember when we're talking about um, slavery in the Bible, it is not the same slavery that uh, is dealt in the U.S., that was dealt in the U.S. And to be honest, when slavery was brought over to the U.S., it was um, an indentured servant uh, uh, model. Um, but because of the influence of, um, I think it was like Central Asia and South America, I mean, not Central Asia, Central America and South America, they had the one-sided slavery, whereas indentured servant is two-side, the, the slave benefits and the, the, the master benefits. And so when they saw that um, the Central and, and Southern America uh, weren't paying their slaves and weren't really, you know, they were treating them wrong. They adopted, that's when America adopted that type of, that type of system. Okay. So when we're looking in scripture, um, when we talk about slavery, people don't like to address it because we automatically go to America slavery or Christian <laughs> slavery because Christians really kind of started that um, in America, the one-sided slavery. And so, but, but we, like we, like we've been doing for the past weeks or so to make sure that we're, we're understanding historical context and the historical background of the situation or of the, of the scriptures so that we can apply it correctly. Okay. So, yeah. And so that's kind of what, um, what um, slavery was dealing with, it was more of an indentured uh, servitude that was going on. And so here you got Onesimus. Onesimus um, was um, under Paul and, and Onesimus gave his life to the Lord. And so um, Paul could have exerted his apostolic authority and told Philemon to take um, Onesimus back. But Paul did not. So when you look at, the, at his greeting, usually Paul would say, Paul, an apostle of the Lord, Jesus Christ, you know, he will, he will state his authority in the beginning of the letter. But here, he did not. <laughs> he wrote it as, as a brother, you know, as being a brother. He said, I'm a prisoner for the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, and to Timothy, you know, our brother, he did not have to. And when you begin to read the letter, he said, I could come to you, you know, boldly to tell you, you know, what you need to do. But he knew Philemon. He knew the heart of Philemon and he knew his character. And he knew that Philemon would or should accept Onesimus back without the penalty, because the penalty of a runaway slave or a runaway worker during that time was death. <laughs> and so Onesimus had every right, I mean, um, Philemon had every right to have Onesimus killed. But because Onesimus is now our fellow brother, Paul is saying, I need for you to handle him a little differently, but I'm not going to tell you, but I want to, I want for the Lord <laughs> to basically, uh, the Holy Spirit to, to help you deal with this because Onesimus lost money. Onesimus, um, uh, you know, was affected by this and he had every right. Okay. So let's go to, in the book, um, under Philemon. 
uh, and also uh, someone yell out the page number because, of course, I don't have it. Uh, the section of Philemon in the book. Um, and I want to look at the purpose of Philemon. Okay. Um, well, I said 235. 235. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm. Uh, page 235. It says, Paul writes this personal letter to his friend Philemon. Uh, Philemon, um, in order to intercede, (laughs) (laughs) you're going to hear all types of names again, uh, in order to intercede for the slave Onesimus. Onesimus apparently has stolen from his master Philemon and, and then fled to Rome. At Rome, he was converted under the apostles ministry and was now returning to his master. Paul writes as a mediator for his slave. And let's go down to the to the um, to the themes. So since this is a personal letter, um, that is really there's really no theme um, as such. The letter was designed to persuade Philemon to forgive and to reinstate Onesimus and even receive him as our new brother in Christ. Okay. Go down to the special consideration says this letter is unique among the letters of Paul in the New Testament because it is the only one that contains no doctrinal teaching. The letter does not reveal some, uh, the letter does reveal something of the persuasive powers of Paul as well as his love, courtesy, and tactfulness in handling a difficult and then probably an emotional matter. Okay, and so when we um, look in this letter, um, you see that Paul is playing that mediator role and um, and trying to persuade Philemon to accept Onesimus back as our brother. Okay, Um, because Paul said, you know, I want to keep Onesimus because I find him to be useful um, into helping me, you know, carry out the gospel. But Paul could not could not do that legally because legally Onesimus belonged to Philemon. Okay, so he couldn't he couldn't just say, you know, Onesimus gonna stay with me. And you're gonna be all right with it. He didn't do that. You know, he still they still had you know certain things that they had to carry out and certain laws and contracts and things of that sort. But when it comes to the penalty. Um, Paul wanted to kind of soften the heart of uh, Philemon. And now that since uh, Onesimus is one of the brothers, uh, prayerfully that Onesimus will now do right, you know, by by Philemon. So that's kind of what's going on here. Any comments so far or any um, questions or comments so far? I just wanted to say that um, if we didn't get any other evidence that the slavery back then was nothing like what happened in the South in America. Mm-hmm. This letter itself should be the evidence because no yeah. God-fearing, godly person, least of all the apostle Paul, would send anybody back to a situation like what was going on in uh, the Southern states in America. Yeah. And, the, and the Northern ones. And the Northern Not- ones, amen. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yep. And so um and so you see kind of the weight, the weights of the mat, I mean the weight of the matters, uh, as it is is so important, um, you know, in Paul's eyes to accept this brother back because now he is our brother. He has been been brought over to Christ. Um is that more is that is that more important to you, Phil uh Philemon? Then to worry about your wages and what you have lost. What is important to gain a brother or to worry about your money? And Paul even went as far as whatever you lost, Philemon, charge it to me. I will take care of that so that you wouldn't have to, you know, continue to carry this burden of a loss. That says a lot about a leader. <laughs> that says a lot about how we should interact with one another. Paul was able, one wanted to take on that burden. He wanted, because um, in the book, he said that um, it was a, uh, what was it? Where was it at in the book? 
It was a good example of imputation, um, how, how Paul took on that burden and just how Jesus took on that burden. He um, imputed, he, you know, he was the imputation. He took on that sin um, of the world. And we see it um, that Paul is playing, you know, playing that same role of um, taking on the lost wages in order to maintain the unity, in order to maintain the love, um, in order to um, to obtain uh, to keep the oneness in the body of Christ. That says a lot, right there. And um, that is definitely um, a leadership moment. That is definitely just you know how we deal with one another. Um, that's a good moment right there. Okay. So, um, and so when, when making this appeal, when Paul is making this appeal, he knew that Philemon was number one, he's, he's an elder. So that means that he is a disciple. It would be easier for Paul to make this appeal to a disciple versus just a believer who was in and out of the world because the believer wants vengeance the believer wants the money and then the believer will, will still want to punish uh onesimus but because philemon is a disciple he's an elder he, he's abiding in the word of god um he is a student of the word he would understand uh what paul was trying to do a little bit more bet a little bit better than than a you know a typical person uh, a believer or someone who is of the world. You know what I'm saying? So um, when it comes to things like that, our, our um, belief system or the way that we handle situations should not be of the world, but it should be of how God wants it to be. It should be of the kingdom. And it's tough and it's hard, but God, thanks be unto God that God has given us the strength and that we can't do it in our own might, that he gives us the power and the strength to do so. Miss um, Eva, go ahead. This is um, uh, this is a teaching lesson, if you will, mm -hmm. for the church, that what Paul is doing, because yeah. it's teaching the church how, how to reinstate someone yeah. back. And when I say church, I'm not talking about the building or the coming together mm -hmm. as an assembly. The church yeah. as we are as lively stones of God, to how to reinstate someone who has done us wrong and yeah. how to bring a person back into the sheepfold in love. And, and I like how Paul makes this appeal because like he told um, uh, uh, Philemon, Philemon that um, I could make you, if you will, you know, yeah. uh, his wife, it, this is the right thing to do. He said, but I'm not going to do that. I'm going to, you know, I'm leaving it to you. And I love this because again, it's a teaching moment for the church to show us how to reinstate in love and to look at the relationship more than the transaction. Yeah. Yes. Yes. That's why I, I love this letter so much <laughs> because of these little uh, leadership nuggets um, that are in, in scripture and how we should deal with one another. Um, yeah. So anybody else comments or uh, questions concerning this, this letter here? I definitely, uh, one thing I, I wanted to say, um, when it comes to, you know, being with, you know, being, um, having favor with God and with man, that's what it put me in a mindset of, um, uh, mm -hmm. there's been a lot of times, even in my life that even, you know, I had dealt with, a, you know, pretty much a situation at my job where the boss would, you know, like the people that's and you know, the, the head people of CPS was just like, all the managers were so nasty and me being in in a supervisor position for five years. And I'm like, I never would treat people like that. And it was like, I was dealing with a situation where this boss just kept coming for me. And I kept humble myself until I just let her know, like, I am not your child. I have grown kids. But even be, because I am a believer, God had to humble me. He had mm -hmm. to humble me in such a way. And then also he put me in a mind. He brought Saul and David to my spirit. It was like, how even though David was, you know, anointed to be a king, but because Saul was the king at that moment that he had to respect his position until God put him in that position. And so um, it just, I don't know, I just love, you know, I thank God for the Holy Ghost because it will humble you down real quick. It will quicken you real quick. And even though I felt like I had right, you know, I had right to let her know, like, you're not going to keep nitpicking with me every, it was like every day. 
I ain't did nothing to this lady. I know she knew my resume, like, oh, and I don't know if she was intimidated. I don't know what it was, but even in, a, in spite of that, I knew that I had to stay humble. And it was, was what was so crazy is that later on, she showed so much love because I'm, I'm not about to act the way the world act, even though I could be like that. I'm not about to do that because I got, you know, more to lose and I ain't trying to displease my father. So um, later on, I, I see how um, God brought that thing around where it's like, she started treating me, but I, I had to go and apologize. Like, look, we're not, you know, I'm not here to attack you. I understand your position, but I just want to be treated fair with respect. And um, once I had apologized and humbled myself all the way down, then I, the whole atmosphere shifted. And um, it just put me in a mind of just being, um, you know, having favor with men and with God. And, and sometimes even when you write, you know, sometimes, it's, you know, I'd rather have peace than always be right. Like, okay, you say that's what it is. You say, what the, this is what the Bible say. Look, I ain't gonna argue with you. God bless mm -hmm. you. I'm just, well, I wanna have peace. So that's what it is for me. So I think this is definitely a, a good letter and also teaches us how to, you know, humble ourselves. And if you truly got God and got the Holy Spirit within, inside, inside of you, he'll humble you real quick. Yeah, yeah. The, the key word you, yeah, you said is, is humility. And Paul came in a humble way. He didn't come in a pious way. This is an example we've been talking about a few weeks about um, leaders being amongst the people. Paul put himself amongst the people. He came to uh, Philemon as a brother, not as an apostle trying to tell him what he needs to do, but he came to him as a brother. And this is, this is an example of leading amongst the people being that example, coming, you know, staying at the level where everybody is at um, and, and, um, and leading in that, in that manner there. Yep. Um, anybody else have any um, comments or anything? All right, cool beans. So um, that is the letter uh, to Philemon. Um, and so you see here from uh, chapters one to three in the chart here, you get the salutation. Four to seven, you get the com commendation or the request um, of, of the letter. Here you get Paul's counsel and intercession. And then um, at the end from verses 22 to 25, you get Paul's conclusion and the anticipation that Paul, he said, you know, uh, prepare a room for me because I'm getting out of here. And then once we see, when we continue to read on in, in uh, Paul's other letters, you see that he came back around um, in this area and he did make it back in this area here. Um, when reading Timothy and Titus, you get little hints um, in the letter, uh, you know, showing where Paul is at the time or, or whatnot. So, all right, cool. Let's see here. Let me see what else here. Let's see. I already read that because um, this is the only book that contains no doctrinal teaching, but it's so many principles and teachings in this letter, even though it says it doesn't contain any doctrinal teaching, but there are some um, leadership and just how to interact with one another. Um, and that's the structure. And that's pretty much it. Um, anybody have any questions or concerns about that book? All right, we're moving right along. Um, the next one is the Epistle to the Philippians. And um, I think I say this for every book. I really love this book <laughs> as well. Um, and it's, and it's, a, it's a really good book. And so, um, and so, so many of the scriptures that we quote all the time are packed in Philippians. Oh, yes. I was thinking of that <laughs> yesterday when I was reading it. I'm like, man, we quote this stuff all the time. All the time. <laughs> <laughs> Quoted sometimes out of context. Out of context, but it sounds good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and it made me think. I'm like, okay, now I got the understanding of the, the background and, you know, why Paul was writing it. I'm like, man, we saying stuff and it don't have nothing to do with what Paul was trying to say in that letter. Lord have mercy. But, um, but yes, yes, a lot of our quotes, a lot of our sayings that we have around our house, on our walls and on our profile pics, <laughs> a lot of them come from the book of Philippians. So, um, yeah, so just like um, 
any other letter that we that uh, the churches that Paul have found, uh, you will see the background information in the letter. So, I mean, um, in the Bible. So we will go to the book of Acts and we are going to look at chapter 16. We talked about um, the Philippian church before um, because he founded the Philippian church on his second missionary journey. And so now um, he, even though it was one of the first churches that he found, he didn't write this letter until about 10 years later, okay? But he was always in connection, always in communication with the church at Philippi. The church at Philippi, if I, if I was allowed to say, I think that this was probably Paul's favorite church um, due to the fact that they had this heart of gold and that they um, supported um, not only his missionary expedition, but they wanted to give to the poor in Jerusalem as well. Um, not to say that Philippians didn't have the you know Philippian church didn't have issues. Um, you'll see a few issues they had, but they were able to resolve it um, in a mature way. And so, um, and so, yes. Yeah, so when I, when I say that um, Colossians is the head. Ephesians is the body, Philemon and Philippians is really the heart of the body. And so, um, so let's go to Acts chapter 16 and let's go to verse 11. I'll start there, it says, so setting sail from Troas, we made a direct voyage to um, Samothrace and, and, the, and the following day to Neapolis. And from there to Philippi, which is a leading city of the district of Macedonia and a Roman colony. So let me pull up the map real quick so we can uh, have a refresher of where it is. So we're over in this area here in Macedonia. Here is Philippi. So uh, remember on his second missionary journey, this is where he picked up Timothy over in the Galatia area. Uh, we talked about the, the issue with, you know, circumcision, because during this time here, um, the, the, the decree at the Jerusalem Council was just made, but Paul made Timothy to be circumcised, you know, for the for they knew that his father was a Greek and to win people over Timothy just I mean, uh, Paul just told Timothy to just go ahead and do it. So we're here in Troas um, because um, the Lord told Paul not to do any work here in Asia at the moment. Um, and so where Troas is where he met Luke and then he went over to the area of Macedonia. And so um, so here is at Philippi right in, in here, okay? Let's pick it up, um, let's see, the end of verse 12, it says, we, we, we remain in the city for some days. And on the Sabbath day, we went outside the gate to the riverside where we supposed where we supposed there was a place to prayer and we sat down and spoke to the women who had came together. One who heard us was a woman named Lydia um, from the city of Thyatira. So Thyatira, oh, it's not on this map here, but it's kind of over in here in Thrace. It's, it's kind of in this area here. Um, a seller of purple goods who was a worshiper of God, the Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. And after she was baptized her and her household as well, she urged us saying, if you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. And she prevailed upon us. Now, what, okay, so uh, we've been looking at the churches that Paul have found and he uses the same formula um, every time he comes into a city. So what is different about Paul coming to Macedonia versus him going to the other cities? What did Paul do differently here? I think he just said it. He didn't start in the synagogues. He went to a house. He, he wanted a house. Where was he at? Long Shintai. He went to the riverside. 
he went to the riverside. So that tells us one thing that when Paul goes into cities, he will always find a synagogue to preach to the Jews first. Here, this gives us a clue that in Philippi, there was no synagogue. Now, I believe it was, I think it was Tammy that was teaching and she talked about synagogue. Does anybody remember, not Tammy, does anybody remember uh, what makes up a synagogue? What could be considered a synagogue? I think you had to have a certain number of people, mm -hmm. um, a number of certain number of families uh, to count as a synagogue. I don't remember what that number is, maybe 10 or 12 or something like that. Does anybody remember? Tammy, you might have to help us out if you remember. <laughs> I believe it was um, 15 believers or, or not believers, Jews. But what about that though? What about? So if there's 15 people, then what's the makeup of that group though? Can it be just well, well, the, the, the male? It was males. Yes, it had to be at least 10 males. Yeah. To make up a synagogue. So because here we see here that it was a, it was it was women um, in verse 13, it said the women had come together. That lets us know that there weren't any enough men to come together to make a synagogue. And in these days here, um, they would they would pay men to come. Uh, so the fact that they can have a synagogue, they will pay men. And so here we understand just by putting this is because you wouldn't have known that unless um, you did some historical background, which Tammy did when she was talking about synagogue. But you wouldn't have known that just by reading scripture here. So. Um, so looking at the, putting the pieces together, um, there was no synagogue. They were at the river and there were, um, uh, there were women, overly a number of women there. And, um, they were, they had to have been Jewish because Paul wouldn't, would not have came to the Gentiles first. We see his pattern. He went to the Jews first. So amongst the women though, was a Gentile, Lydia. And Lydia was actually a God-fearer. Remember the types of Gentiles that exist? God-fearers, proselytes, and then pagans. She was a God-fearer. And so, and so here, uh, like we talked about with uh, the letter of Philemon, is that, um, this, this church makeup here is um, overwhelmingly women, okay? So, so this, is, um, this is something that, you know, you want to keep in mind when looking at the, the churches and looking at Paul's pattern on how, you know, he traveled. He always went to a synagogue first. So we read this, we're like, hmm, he didn't go to a synagogue. Why did he not go to a synagogue? And that should at least trigger you to do some research and things of that sort. There's a book that I use, it's called um, Manners and Customs of, of the Bible. And it talks about the makeup of a synagogue and things of that sort. Or you can, you can even just Google it. Um, I know, um, I don't know if, I know Wayman uses Olive Tree or used to use Olive Tree, but um, in the Olive Tree um, app, I believe that Manners and Custom book is available for free, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so. Um, if you have that, or you could just look it up online and things of that sort. Um, but yeah, so that's something to keep in mind here. So Paul, um, after he was here, um, in Philippi for a few days, this is when he went down to Thessalonica and we talked about, um, the fact that Philip, uh, the church at Philippi sent Paul money all the time to help him out. And we see in, in let's go to 2 uh, Corinthians chapter 8, 
um, verses one through, let me see, one through five, um, Paul is telling the Corinthian church about a group of people who are basically, they have the gift of giving. Um, he said, I want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. So this is the churches here, Philippi, in this area here. He said, for in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and extreme, extreme poverty have overflown in a wealth of generosity of, on their part. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means of their own accord begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints and this not as we expected but they gave themselves first to the lord and then um by the uh will of god um to us and so here um as you see uh, the church at philippi or the churches in macedonia they really operated in the spirit of giving and or in the gift of giving um even in their poverty um they begged paul like, can't we please take part of, of giving? And so, uh, so this is so now you kind of get an idea of the, the the DNA of the churches in Macedonia or with Philipp Philippi that it was a giving church, it was a loving church. They supported Paul. When you read Philippians, there was a point in the letter where I mean, point um, in time when Paul when the Philippian church didn't hear from Paul and they were so worried about Paul um, in, in uh, why he, you know, didn't have any communication with them versus when we read in uh, Corinthians, um, when the Corinthian church didn't hear from Paul, they began to bash Paul and talk about Paul and all that stuff versus the Philippian church. They were concerned about the whereabouts of Paul. They were like, okay, where, where's Paul? This is not like Paul. We know Paul and this is not of his character. So we see that the church of Philippi was a very loving church, a very caring church, okay? So let's go to the book and let's go ahead and look at the section um, on Philipp, uh, Philippians. Um, it says, Paul wrote this letter from Rome about um, AD 62. Um, so we know that Ephesians, Colossians, um, and uh, Philemon was written in 61. They believe that Philipp, uh, letter to Philipp, uh, Philippi was written about 62, probably early 62, okay? Um, Paul wrote this letter under purpose. Paul wrote this letter to thank the believers at Philippi uh, for sending a financial gift. They had done this in the past um, as, as well. He also wrote to let them know that even though he was a prisoner, um, even though he was a prisoner, uh, the gospel of Christ was still being preached. He may have uh, written also to tell them that he intended to visit them if and when he was released. Um, and so uh, when you begin to read the letter um, to uh, letter of Philippians, he uh, made a statement in there that, you know, he's, he's been getting a lot more done just by being in chains. And so you would think, you know, uh, if, if this ever happens to us, that all of a sudden we are thrown in jail, you know, our life get turned upside down. You know, we will, we, the last thing we're thinking about is doing the work of the Lord. <laughs> because our circumstances would just kind of overwhelm us. And so with Paul, though, he considered this an opportunity to get some things done. Instead of for him, instead of him going to other cities and establish, establishing churches, he was able to, where he wasn't um, uh, being locked up in Rome, he wrote a lot of his letters um, from, from prison. And he, um, did, he um, was able to still teach. He was able to still preach because when you read in Acts chapter 27 and 28, you see that people were coming to Paul while he was um, in bondage and he was teaching and preaching to them, okay? And so he didn't allow his circumstances or his situation stop him from preaching and teaching the word of God. Just like it reminded me when I was going over this, it reminded me of the pandemic that we're in now. All of a sudden, the way that we that we did church was put brought to a halt. And now we had to shift gears. 
a lot of churches didn't make that shift. They couldn't, they didn't survive the shift. They were so used to coming into a church and, and, and worshiping and doing their teachings versus uh, other churches or other people using what they had to spread the gospel. They use internet, they use Zoom, they use Facebook, any type of outlet uh, that was available, they were able to make that shift. And this reminded me of that, how Paul couldn't go to the places personally, but he was able to write them. He was still able to send out doctrine. He was able to still teach while being in chains. So I thought that was a, a really good um, a really good point. Anybody got comments or, or anything about that? This is everything that's in my notes today, Lord, today. Oh. oh. well we we bless the lord so yeah y'all gonna hear it again so y'all should know exactly what we're talking about today in church (laughs) so so anybody else so does that mean i can start repeating before you even say anything oh lord no i'm gonna gonna have to flip it now You're going to repeat, you know, either way. It don't even, it don't even matter. Now she's going to be trying to say it before I say it. Lord help her. Right. I know where you're going, Pastor. I know where you're going. <laughs> oh, <have> mercy. <laughs> so, um, so yeah. So this, this here is, uh, when you read the, the letter t- uh, to the Philippian church, it is a very personal letter, um, from Paul to a church that really have cared for him the last 10 years of his missionary journey. Um, and when you see, um, uh, when, cause it's, uh, it was two imprisonments that Paul was in when he got out his first imprisonment in uh, Caesarea, he was able to go, go back to the area in Macedonia and to be with the Philippian church. Cause that's where he wrote the letter of uh, Timothy in Macedonia. So he was able to go back and fellowship uh, with them as well. Um, and so basically in this letter here, Paul, he really puts his life on, on display here. Uh, let's see, I, wrote, I read that. Um, okay, so here's the kind of the structure of the letter. Um, he was in, uh, rejoicing in his affliction he didn't have he wasn't negative about it you know he you you read in his letter he talked about i've learned to be content i've learned to um handle you know to be in my situation and to find this joy and again i say rejoice you know he just kept saying uh you see that word about rejoicing so he rejoices in his affliction he rejoices in ministry he rejoices in jesus the christ and he rejoices in his blessing all this from being locked up. Um, and so, um, re- yeah, rejoice in the Lord always. And, and, you know, and he said, again, I, you know, say rejoice, you know. So, um, so we see that um, in this letter here. So let's kind of go to in the book. Um, let's go to the theme. Let's go to the theme of Philippians. Um, and it says, this is a very personal letter from Paul to a church that has been cared for him. It is a letter filled with joy and thankfulness. The, uh, the leading, uh, thought of the letter, which is, uh, which is cordial and sincere is joy and gratitude. The word rejoice and other words of similar meaning appear 16 times in this short letter. Even the imprisonment or the malicious actions of opponents could not extinguish his joy in the Lord, because when you read um, the rest of Acts and read about um, the trials that he had to go through um, in his first imprisonment, um, the the dealer being on trial and all that stuff and how they were trying to accuse him of being um, a troublemaker and they accused him to being the leader of the, the way, the sect, the new sect that was out. Um, and the, you know they accused him of a, a lot of things or whatnot. Um, But in that, he still had joy. Uh, So in this letter, there are some important doctrinal points made as well, such as Paul's discussion of the person of Christ and his humiliation. So 
Um, that's really, it's, it's a really good letter. Um, let's read the special considerations. Um, the, silly, the city at Philippi was located 11 miles inland from the Aegean Sea and uh, on the Ignatian Way, a strategic Roman highway. Philippi uh, was important uh, to the Roman military since it was a key in the defense against Northern invasions. The political structure and culture of Philippi was the same as that of Rome and that the city uh, was, was said to be a miniature likeness of Rome. Paul founded the church at Philippi on his second journey and visited the end some five years later on his third journey. Um, this letter was written about 10 years after the founding of the church, okay? So that's kind of um, the, the summary and the uh, kind of the background of this, the city of Philippi. Uh, Philippi. So um, he talks about his circumstances. Uh, he gives some uh, practical exhortation to the Philippians um, because they were dealing uh, with with some issues. But um, Paul gave them some some wisdom on how how to handle it. Um, Paul's past and present need, and Paul's principle for joyful living. Okay. So um, and so Paul in, in this letter still like um, Philemon. He had hopes that he would be getting out soon because the charges they had against Paul, they couldn't let, get them to stick um, to him. And so he knew that he was getting out soon. OK, um, and so let's see here. Let's see what else in my notes here. Um, well, I talked about not being distracted. Of course, they were dogging Paul, the fact that he was in jail, but he did not um, let that stop him. Um, uh, I think that's pretty much um, it, kind of the gist of the letter here. Uh, but when you uh, read it, when you read this letter, definitely read it with this uh, commentary here, with this uh, tool here, uh, kind of gives you a, a clearer understanding on what the letter was about. So any, uh, oh, Eva, go ahead. Um, as reading this, it seemed like, you know, when you look at uh, Paul's passion, towards uh, uh, the church uh, 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 at Philippi, which was the, you know, the women, is that they had an everlasting impression uh, uh, on him because yeah. it talks about in the word of God, how they was poor and how they was going through so much trouble, but it was nothing but joy was found in them. Yeah. And I think Paul was so impressed with that, that even, you know, being around them and experiencing them to go through so much, but joy was the fabric of their existence, if you will, even in their giving, they gave in joy. And mm -hmm. I think that in his troubles, you know, he said, you know, he was in so much joy. I think that 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 relationship between him and the church at Philippi had just had a long, everlasting effect on him that brought him through. It did. I, I totally agree with that. It did. And like I said, I think if I was able to say, I think uh, Church of Philippi was probably Paul's favorite church for real. <laughs> The fact that they had so much joy in, in the midst of their turmoil, in the midst of what they were going through, they still had joy. And um, looking looking at how they gave joyously, uh, it really, I don't know, uh, gives an indictment to today's church on when, when giving time comes around, we rolling our eyes and we clutching our purses and all types of different attitudes. We don't give in joy anymore because of the fact that a lot of churches, a lot of leaders have really manipulated the saints. And so we don't, we don't understand the joy of giving. I was convicted when I was uh, getting together you know, this lesson and understanding the, um, the, the, um, how Paul was teaching about giving because you don't see him really teaching about giving in his epistles but you see it, uh, you see him doing that using the Philippian church. We can definitely take some uh, pointers from how the Philippian church gave. And I think in this letter here, he, he, he called their giving like it was a, it was a fragrance unto the Lord. And it, that goes back to the Levitical system, how, uh, how when they gave their burnt offering and gave their grain offerings and things of that sort, uh, when it went up to God, it was a fragrance to him. And so when you give um, the burnt offering, that is a, um, an example of giving your life to him. Um, and so Paul, he mentions that, how 
how I think we read it um, in the, the Corinthian letter, how they gave themselves to the Lord first and then to the work of the ministry. And that right there, it showed me because right now I'm studying the book of Leviticus. So that's why it showed me how um, for them giving themselves was an example of the burnt offering and to give their resources to them was example of the grain offering. So I'm giving who I am and then I'm giving up who what I got. And it reminded me again of, of, uh, of Acts chapter two, when they formed the church and they brought everything they had to the feet of the apostles to distribute. That is another way of that, that sacrificial offering to God. So yeah, it's just, yeah, it's 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 good stuff. It's yeah, good I think stuff. as giving comes up as an aroma, as mm. a smell, because giving uh, had taken on a uh, uh, um, a wheel of wanting to do. You know what I mean? And so now, you know, I think that many leaders have pushed people into this uh, 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 this conviction or condemnation and bringing the law into it. And so it doesn't, for many, it, it turned into, it, it caused the people to pull away opposed to worshiping in, in this place called giving because giving is a glorious, joyful place. And there, and, and there is uh, the law of reciprocity that, you know, as you release, it does, you know, God makes sure it comes back to you. However, it's done out of, supposed to be done joyfully and, and, and cheerfully and not yeah. be and not be made to feel like it's a duty. Like I go to work all week, but I got to bring you my money to keep your lights <laughs> on in the building. So you, okay, let me let that go. Fine. Let me let it go. All right. <laughs> yep. They added to our hand and the Lord had to really convict me and fix the way that I looked at giving, um, especially if I'm giving to a place that that is um, uh, condoning or that is um, really pushing discipleship and growth and maturity. This is a way of giving to the kingdom to advance the kingdom. And so I had to look at it in, in that way. So, yeah, good stuff. Good stuff. Anybody else? All right. Um, cool beans. So that's that's pretty much the Philippian uh, letter. I definitely encourage you to 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 look at it um, and to read it. It's it's really good stuff. It talks about you know being selfless, um, and he gave the example of Jesus Christ being the ultimate example of just giving his, his life, giving himself and things of that sort. So it's a, it's a really good letter. And um, I definitely encourage you all to, to read it. Okay. All right. Any questions or concerns? All right. If not, I'm going to go ahead and pray out. Um, first, let me take attendance first. I know I just saw, I saw a uh, page just left. So I think I marked her down. So let me make sure I got I got everybody. Uh, it was, oh yeah, I know I saw. Uh, and all right, let's see here. I was ready actually online. Oh, well, praise our God. Amen. I Oh, it's Junior. Amen. Okay. So oh, I, oh, it's, it's, it's Junior, Rich. Oh. Right. I thought it was there. Okay. Okay. All right. I'll make sure I mark you. Make sure I add you to my to my list. Praise God. So welcome. <laughs> All right. So um, I got attendance. I think I got everybody. So we'll go ahead and pray out. Um, Father God, we thank you for this day. Thank you, God, for your word. Oh, God, that is... Um, that is great. <laughs> it is, it is uh, a lifelong, um, it, car it carries, it has so much weight. It's timeless. That's the word I was looking for. It is a timeless word um, that can, uh, that transcends time, that carries out through uh, generation to generation that we can always pull that this is our, um, our manual for living. We thank you, oh God, for just allowing us to um, get together and to learn about your word, that we're able to carry it out um, the way that you want for us to carry it out. 
thank you for the opportunity to get the mind, to learn your mind, to get the mind of Christ and to understand your thoughts uh, and to understand the things of the spirit. Uh, so God, we honor you. We bless you. I pray that you will continue to bless everybody in their study. And I pray that they will continue to grow. And I pray, you know, that the Holy Spirit will continue to illuminate um, the word of God, um, that you will continue to do the increase, God, as um, you've given um, the leaders and given us um, people in our lives to, to plant and to water. But God, you control the increase. And we thank you for that. So God, we give you all the praise, glory, and honor. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. All right, you guys. Have a good one. All right, good teaching. Love you guys. God bless y'all. Thank you guys. Bye. Bye, Bridge. Bye bye. (laughs) See you later. Have a blessed week. Thanks for the, the good teaching.